The meeting is now being recorded. Vice Chair Crawford. Welcome. Uh, Kyle, if, well, I'll call this meeting to order. Kyle, if you would start with the roll call. Great. Good morning. This is a meeting of the San Francisco Urban Forestry Council. The date is Friday, January 27th. The time is 8.40 a.m. Due to the COVID-19 health emergency and to protect council members, department staff, and members of the public, Urban Forestry Council meetings will be virtual until further notice. Council members will attend the meeting through video conference or by telephone if the video fails and participate in the meetings to the same extent as if they were physically present. Unless speaking, please mute your audio to minimize background noise. Please remember to unmute yourself if you wish to speak. Please note that the ringing of cell phones, pagers, and similar devices can still happen virtually and is still prohibited. Please ensure your devices are silent. Public comment will be available on each item on the agenda. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Public comment can be made in the following ways. First, participants calling into the meeting via telephone may dial star three to be added to the speaker queue. Please call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your TV or radio. Second, participants watching the meeting via personal computer may indicate a desire to comment by clicking on the raise hand symbol in the WebEx participant panel. And finally, members of the public may submit comment via email to environment at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the members and will be included as part of the official file. I will now call the roll. Chair Sullivan is excused. Vice Chair Crawford. Here. Member Lachin. Here. Member Vese Favell. Member Vese Favell is absent. Member Nagel. Here. Member Sochiel. Here. Member Sullivan. Here. Member Spiegelman. Present. Member Salvadori is excused. Member Trang. Here. Member Potter is excused. Member Stringer. Here. And Vice Chair Crawford, we have a quorum. Thank you. Can move on to the next item. Okay, the next item is item two, review and vote on whether to approve resolution file 2023-01-UFC. Resolution making findings to allow teleconference meetings under California Government Code Section 54953E. The Speaker is Kyle Weiner, Commission Affairs Officer. The explanatory document is Resolution File 2023 01 UFC. This item is for discussion and action. The Council will consider and discuss adoption of a resolution making findings that Government Code Section 54953E requires in order to allow the Council to hold meetings remotely as currently required under local law without complying with certain ground act requirements. I move to adopt. I'll second. With the chair's permission, we can open it up to public comment. Yes, please. Just one moment. Okay, members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. 
And I'll just pause for a moment while the access code is displayed on the screen. And seeing no calls in the queue, public comment on this item is closed. Uh, with the chair's permission, I will now call the roll. Yes. Chair Sullivan is excused. Vice Chair Crawford. Aye. Member Lachin. Aye. Member Vesey-Favell. Member Vesey-Favell is absent. Member Nagel. Aye. Member Sochil. Aye. Member Sullivan. Aye. Member Spiegelman. Aye. Member Salvadori. Aye. Member Trang. Aye. Member Potter is excused. Member Stringer. Aye. The motion passes. Can move to the next item. The next item is item three, chairs welcome and land acknowledgement. This item is for discussion. Uh, welcome everyone. So I am the, um, the discount version of Chair Sullivan and uh, look forward to a productive meeting today. I, I think that it's been an eventful month in urban forestry in our city. So uh, I think some of the topics we have coming up today uh, Will, will be relevant to that, and uh, um, I also hope that we can can fill some of the vacancies that we have now um, and acknowledge the first meeting without Ildico and uh, Jesus' second meeting full time. So I feel like some good things happening, but some a lot of work that we still have to do. Do you want to read the land acknowledgement, Kyle? Thank yeah. you. Happy to. The Urban Forestry Council acknowledges that we occupy the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone peoples, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. We wish to pay respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community and to affirm their sovereign rights as First Peoples. We honor the Ramatush Ohlone for their enduring commitment to steward Mother Earth. We recognize that the Ramatush Ohlone have lived in harmony with nature for millennia and that to achieve a truly ecologically sustainable future for San Francisco, we must embrace indigenous traditional ecological knowledge and how we care for the city's lands, waters, and all its people. All right. Do we have a public comment after this? Yeah, we can open it up to public comment. Just one moment. Okay, members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now dial star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please to please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak.
And seeing no callers in the queue, public comment on this item is closed. Uh, move on to the next item. Okay, the next item is item four, adoption of minutes of the December 9th, 2022 Urban Forestry Council meeting. The explanatory document is the December 9th, 2022 meeting draft minutes. This item is for discussion and action. I read the minutes. They look good. I move to approve. Anyone? Second. Thanks, Uchil. Okay. We can move to public comment. Okay. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now dial star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it's your turn to speak. And seeing no callers in the queue, public comment on the signing is closed. With the chair's permission, I will now call the roll. Yes, please. Chair Sullivan is excused. Vice Chair Crawford. Aye. Member Lachin. Aye. Member Vesey Favell. I'm sorry, Mr. Sipovat, I, I do see you joined the meeting. Um, I had trouble hearing you. Could you just repeat that? He gave a thumbs up. Okay, I can read lips. That was an eye. If you want to, uh, Member Nagel? Like can the audio come in soon? Member Socio? Aye. Member Sullivan? Aye. Member Spiegelman? Aye. Member Salvadori? Aye. Member Trang? Aye. Member Potter is excused. Member Stringer? Aye. The motion passes. Okay, we can move to the next item. The next item is item five, general public comment. Members of the public may address the council on matters that are within the council's jurisdiction and are not on today's agenda. Just one moment. Uh, while you're pulling that up, I just note that if anyone is here to speak to the uh, public comment mailed in, now is a great time to speak to this item. And any members of the public joining us who wish to comment should press star three to be added to the queue.
and seeing no callers in the queue, public comment on this item is closed. Okay, we can move to the next item. Okay, the next item is item six, review and vote on whether to approve the letter requesting an increase in city funding for urban forestry. The speaker is Jesus Lozano, urban forestry council coordinator. The explanatory document is the letter requesting additional city funding. This item is for discussion and action. The council will discuss and consider adoption of final changes to the letter. The council may make a motion to further action regarding strategies to promote the increase in funding for urban forestry. Morning, everyone. Uh, so the letter um, has been brought back to full council um, as it has received a number of suggested changes from our policy team, um, and it they I, I don't think that the, I don't know if y'all had a chance to read it, but it doesn't have any like big content changes. But I think uh, the the wording definitely changed enough that it it warranted being brought back here. Uh, so since uh, I think we tried getting some consensus um, to, to get it put out before this meeting, but um, coming into this week, we had not gotten that yet. So brought it here just so we can get it taken care of and get both documents put out. I don't think I need to <laughs> speak to it anymore. Pretty simple one, but important. Jesus, I just want to say it looks great. I appreciate everyone's work on that that letter. I don't have any edits to uh, suggest. I think it's it's great as it is. But if anyone does have edits, I'm not trying to frighten you. <laughs> Feel free to bring up any concerns. I I think it's fine. Um, I I think you know Morgan uh, and and people who created the graph have the have the right idea, which is um, we, we need to we need to change things if we want to get on the right course. It's it's really um, um, even if you want to quibble with the exact numbers, um, I, I think the best analogy I can come up with is, is steering a ship. You're kind of going one way. It's just for people who sail, you kind of need to change direction to to get to where you want to go, and and it's a pretty sharp change in direction. So that's I think that letter th this letter illustrates that, and I, I think we should we should go ahead. I agree. I, I think we all know that the city is heading into a season of, of big budget cuts, but um, this this has got to be a priority. And um, you know, this is it's almost like Groundhog Day. We we say this year after year. We need more funding for for um, for trees. We don't. We're, we're not heading in the direction of meeting the the city's goals. Um, so I think we just have to keep saying it as loudly as we can. Even in a even in a tough year for the city's budget.
I need a motion to approve. I move to approve. And a second. A second. A second. Kyle, I'll let you decide who who breaks the tie on that. No, I, I think I heard member Nickel there. <laughs> All right. Uh, we can move to public comment. Okay, members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it's your turn to speak. See no callers in the queue. Public comment on this item is closed. The chair's permission, I will now call the roll. Yes. Okay. Uh, chair Sullivan is excused. Vice Chair Crawford. Aye. Member Lachin. Aye. Member Vissifavel. Aye. Member Nagel. Aye. Member Sochil. Aye. Member Sullivan. Aye. Member Spiegelman. Aye. Member Salvadori. Aye. Member Trang? Aye. Member Potter is excused. Member Springer? Aye. The motion passes. Move to the next item. The next item is item seven, informational update on memorandum regarding changes to changes of policy bodies. The speaker is Jesus Lozano, Urban Forestry Council Coordinator. The explanatory document is the memo regarding legal rules governing remote participation by members of policy bodies and meetings beginning March 1st, 2023. This is an informational update and discussion item. All right, y'all. Um, this morning again. <laughs> uh, so this one is, a, is an interesting um, memo. Um, in that beginning March 1st, we will be returning to in-person meetings. Um, there is a good 14 pages of that, but it boils down to some pretty simple um, items. Um, is that participation in these meetings is gonna, um, as far as like being counted as a participant, uh, being able to vote and counting towards a quorum, uh, will require physical presence at the meetings. Uh, there are some provisions for um, members attending remotely, uh, such as uh, parental leave and um, specifically members attending the one of the planning and funding committee meetings, as it is a subcommittee of a um, advisory body, not a governmental unit. Um, so there's like a very specific situation uh, where that committee can meet remote, um, but there's still complications to that. Um, and the other exception to um, 
in-person presence is um, folks with a disability that uh, is subject to uh, reasonable accommodation. Um, for folks that would be on parental leave or at the subcommittee meeting, um, this would still require a physical in-person quorum. Um, and the um, teleconference location, so folks that are attending via teleconference would be required to make uh, that location open to the public as well and published on the agenda. So unfortunately, if we were doing that, um, like you were wanting to teleconference from your home, your home address would have to be published on the agenda and you'd have to open it up for members of the public to, to join you there, as well as needing the whole meeting to become a, a hybrid hybrid meeting for, for all um, um, public, members of the public. Um, there are a few other provisions uh, that not related to those, but it's really just emergency circumstances like family emergencies or like a actual um, like uh, environmental emergency. So something really crazy has got to be happening in which I don't know that it would be um, super useful for someone to be attending during a family emergency. Uh, it was like really, really limited and the, it'd still be a difficult um, process to get those approved and can only be used a number of times within a year. Um, yeah, so that's like the big things that are going on there. Um, uh, like the the rest of the, I mean, those are all like highlights from the 14 pages and they just go much more into detail on what it specifically everything means. Um, the um, updates from um, mine and Kyle's side are that the full council meetings will be back in City Hall. Uh, right now it looks like they'll be uh, mostly in room 400 or 416 with the exception of December. Uh, and uh, planning and funding meetings, I'm still working on nailing down which room they will be in, but they will be at 49 South the Nest, um, just like pending how um, security works um, and the availability of the room, since it's a much more, um, there's so much more departments in that building, like using, uh, using the conference rooms. Yeah, happy to answer any questions. Um, this item was I thought was important to be covered here since we have members of the public attending um, and they will have to also start attending in person. Sorry, uh, I have a question. Uh, do you uh, do you have any I, I should know this so I apologize but do you and do you have any um, document showing on the bylaws or rules of this committee just for my own knowledge i, I think maybe uh, we are meeting individually right next week probably mm -hmm. so yeah um, so maybe we can talk about that but uh, i would like to see that and also um so did you say that the meeting person is going to be at 49 van ness is that what you said just now for the meetings, full council meetings will be at city hall um uh, city hall sorry It'll be planning and funding uh, committee meetings that will be hosted okay, at yeah. Okay, City Hall, okay. And so are you guys still thinking about the same times, like early in the morning or late after work, right? Is that the idea? 
Yeah, um, it looks like the um, the full council meetings are all set at the I think the same times as they were already set. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle. Um, and the planning and funding should be as well, but um, that is a much smaller. Yeah, yeah, it's a smaller group. Yeah, we might be able to be a little bit more flexible with that. Thank you. And as Jesus mentioned earlier, um, the only full council meeting where we currently don't have a room is the December meeting. Um, although we do have a number of alternative uh, dates and times for that in either room 400 or room 408 or 416 in City Hall. Um, so depending on when the council would like to hold that meeting, we can reserve a room for that purpose. I see Igor's face. Could we just pick one of those rooms and go with it now to lock it up? Yeah. Let me pull up the list. Uh, yep. So we do have availability in City Hall. Um, on most days between December 4th and December 15th, um, the catch is that they're all in the morning. So it would have to be an 8.30 meeting. And we would give them, uh, everyone would have 10 months of notice. So I think that that's okay if we need to move a date. And I think Jesus and I, um, I think we touched based on this before, but, um, you know, our, our early morning meetings typically happen on the Friday and we do have Friday, December 15th available um, for room 400 if the council would like to go ahead and book that room. I think that's a good date. It's far enough from uh, the holidays. Like it's kind of equidistant that we should be able to have good attendance. Do you need a, a motion? I, I don't know. Don't know that we voted on the calendar in the past. Jesus, do you recall if um, at the previous UFC meeting when you were discussing um, alternative meeting dates for meetings that fell close to a holiday, we had a motion and a vote on that? Yeah, I think we, yeah, I think we did. Just to like all agree that that's the, the dates that we, mm -hmm. we picked. Those are the dates. Okay, I, I moved to select December 15th for the morning full council meeting at City Hall. And a second. <clears throat> okay. Um, can collect public comment at this time. Uh, we can just one moment. And members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak.
And seeing no callers in the queue, public comment on this motion is closed. We can move to the. Uh, oh, I, actually, I, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Crawford. I just noticed that this item is an informational update and discussion uh, item rather than an action update. My apologies. So we'll save this for the next meeting then. Down to nine months of notice. I'm just wondering, do we need to vote? Anyway, it doesn't, doesn't matter. We can... If we did before, we could. Okay. I've, never, I've never had other bodies vote on, on this kind of thing, so we may not, we may not be needed. I don't think it's strictly required um, by Mr. Crawford, and um, you know, it's possible that that room may no longer be available. So we, we can double check with building services at City Hall. We'll try to lock down, down a room for the 15th of December. Um, and we'll be sure to keep folks updated based on, you know, if that's still available or if we have to explore another date. Sounds good. Okay, let's move to the next item then. Um, just really quickly, Jesus, is it worth discussing just the role of WebEx in all this while we're still on this item? Um, yeah. I, and I'm happy to speak to that too, um, Jesus. Please. Uh, so, just another question for the council is um, whether or not it wants to continue to incorporate WebEx into its meetings. Um, this would really be for uh, public comment, although it could apply to the kind of extenuating circumstances that Jesus described earlier with respect to um, council members on parental leave or in an emergency situation. Um, the thing about Public comment for in person meetings that are not supported by SOGovTV. We would just have to have a certain technical setup. And there's some rooms in City Hall um, that have cameras set up. Um, I think this, this applies to rooms 400, 408, and 416, where there's um, either a stationary camera or a camera that can be rotated um, to face either the members of the council sitting on the dais or the Presenter or someone speaking during public comment um, in such a way that someone calling into the meeting over WebEx or watching the meeting over WebEx would be able to see what's going on in addition to just hearing what's going on. Um, and of course, to speak up during um, remote public comment. It, it might be wise for the council to continue to incorporate WebEx as a practice. Um, if, if there's a member of the public who wishes to apply for a, um, a disability accommodation because they're unable to attend the meeting in person, you know, we would likely have to um, kind of integrate WebEx into the meeting um, in response to that request. Uh, and that may be that may be a little difficult to do, um, you know, on the, on the spur of the moment after the meeting has already been noticed to the public. Um, but this is at the council dis discretion. Um, if there's a consensus on whether or not to continue to incorporate um, WebEx in its meetings um, to allow for remote public comment, um, and if the council does want to go in that direction, um, we could also include that update in the bylaws um, in a future meeting. It will. If we do it routinely, it will lengthen every meeting we have because every time you need public comment. You take it first in the room and then you take it again remotely. So 
there's an extra 10 minutes to every meeting. So just something to keep in mind. There, there's also the issue of tech support. Um, so for like planning and funding, right? Do we have that capacity? I, I don't know. And I'm a big fan of WebEx. I, I thought this was setup we have now is at least as accessible, publicly accessible, if not more than the in-person meetings. Um, having said that, I think I, I agree very much um, uh, with, with uh, Mike. Um, there is a cost to to having the sort of hybrid thing. It's it's kind of a longer discussion that we don't need to have about you know their city requirements um, versus what actually allows most public participation. So um, I just wanted to say, as as a big proponent of remote meetings. I am somewhat hesitant to put something like that into bylaws that then obligates you as the staff to figure out these technical support issues. Um, uh, we certainly had the call in facility before, and I think you know that 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 may be sufficient for for what we do, or maybe not. I'm open to other perspectives on this. Yeah, I think uh, I'm of a similar mindset where we're living in a hybrid work world and it's good to make use of that and acknowledge that. Uh, I also am mindful of how, despite the accessibility of WebEx right now, we have one person tuning into the meeting that's not a member. So I think that we have to grapple with, with whether this is something that people want to listen to if we have an extra 20 minutes padded in of of public comment and uh you know an extra agenda item to acknowledge the remote meeting uh requirement i think people just tune out and feel like i i came here to talk about some urban forestry related stuff and it, it only makes up like 15 percent of the meeting i i i'm not gonna sync my Friday morning to to do that. So I, th I think we should grapple with that reality too. So I think your your caution is well taken. I shall add that I think like as much as I also would love to see us continue the the webex inclusion i'd i'd like to be mindful of the uh, council members times i know a lot of us have kind of adapted our meeting schedules to be back to back sometimes like readjusting to push travel time or for those of us that do have to be out here um in the city for the for the meetings um you know if like we already have a hard time sometimes when we have to have a longer meeting than normal. Um, I think extending it further might make it more difficult for both parties, uh, stakeholders and ourselves to to have the meetings. Um, I think in a in a healthier <laughs> environment where we know how much time commitment we're we're making. Uh, I think maybe it's not the best 
Uh, but it could be more on a case by case basis as folks require it or request it, maybe. And this is also a question that the council doesn't need to resolve today necessarily. Our access to WebEx is not going away. We're, we're going to continue to have licenses. Um, so, something that we can always revisit in the future. Uh, Vice Chair Crawford, I think you're on mute. I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, so I, I just wanted to go back to something Jesus mentioned about 49 South Van Ness. I am a city employee. I have a badge and it's still difficult for me to get into the building. Uh, I'm authorized to be on two of the floors and not the other floors. So if we did a meeting on another floor, I'd have to get that approval. Uh, and then members of the public, in my experience, we've had to meet them at the at the security desk and escort them up. Uh, if somebody joined late, like, how would we know to come down and bring them up? Uh, I, I love, I love the meetings and the conference rooms that are available in that building, but, uh, the, with the current state of security, it could be difficult to host them. Uh, just for reference, we used to have that at, I think 1650 mission. Uh, the planning and funding meeting, and that that was much easier to get in and out of uh, as a member of the public or a committee member. So, if if there are other city buildings with conference rooms that don't have that level of security, um, it's just something to consider. You yeah. think, uh, uh, Nick? Do you think if we had the meeting on the ground floor, could be? I don't know how many rooms are on the ground floor because they're giant rooms, so I don't know. I just want to yeah. make meetings there. But if, if we did secure, maybe we could say that if we secure, um, you know, a, a room on the ground floor, it's kind of easier because you can just stand there in the lobby and get people in. But if you start dealing with the elevators, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know I how to find floors myself. So, but maybe the ground floor could be actually okay. I feel like if we meet people in the lobby, maybe we can have 10 minutes with new people. And so I don't know, just put it out there. I was originally working on getting um, rooms on the public works floors. Uh, but yeah, the security questions came up and it seems quite unreasonable, both for staffing and getting people up there. Um, so yeah, I'm working on, on first, on the first floor uh, conference rooms, they're just a little bit comically large for <laughs> for our group, but it should be a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. They... That, that's what I thought. It's kind of giant, but they're not. There is not only one. They can be closed. There, I think there is a way to break it down. I think because I've been in yeah. So I mean, it's kind of big, but there is a way to close it off. I think that doesn't make it look so exaggerated. <laughs> also. I'm also open if you if you have suggestions for other locations that might be more accessible to um, Fifth and Harrison Street Tree Nursery. <laughs> we will have a meeting room. That would be nice in the nursery. I need six months though. 
six <laughs> months we can do it. Where is the nursery? Is Sorry, and there is uh, the one under the country. Yes, fifth and Harrison, fifth and Bryant. You're gonna have a room there for the committee. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, we should meet there after it's open. Then I assume I, I don't think that we discussed this, but another alternative would be one of the meeting rooms in the environment department offices, which are on uh, 1155 market. Um, mm -hmm. It's something that we've kind of pondered um, as an alternative for um, commission meetings where we're still working on meeting down rooms in City Hall. Um, so that, that could be a potential backup. Okay. But at least it's like a less difficult access than uh, 49 South Venice, but I think the elevator situation might still cause some confusion. But um, yeah, good, a good option if um, the first floor doesn't work out. It'd certainly be more easy for me, <laughs> but considering all of you. So, um, for the city hall meeting, I'm sorry, I've never been to a meeting in person. Um, it's so there is video support. I mean, it's been terrorized, right, for the public to watch. So the WebEx, uh, the the hybrid model was that the, the other council we will have to meet in person, and the public have a have uh, an option of joining in person or joining on a WebEx and watch the meeting in progress and attend the meeting that, is that correct? Is that, we want to have that option. I mean, that's an, an option we want to, whether we want that to have it for, for accessibility for people who can't get it in person. That's what we talk about, right? And and it's up to the, I mean I it's it's up for us to have that happen. It's not a requirement, or is that we have to make sure that we uh, um, make sure everybody have access. Accessibility is a big thing for people who can't get in person. So um, uh, uh, yeah, I guess I'm not sure. Like, is it up to us to that? To, to to vote for it, or is that just a requirement? I think it's at our discretion. Um, there, we don't. We are, will no longer be required to provide um, access remote via like remote access unless someone uh, requests it as a um, reasonable accommodation for a disability. Uh, in which case, we would uh, be required to make uh, remote access. Uh, possible for them, but outside of that situation, um, it's a, it's to, up to us. Okay, so so someone have to request meet a meeting to meeting, like they have. Mm -hmm. to, okay, thank you. And is that very difficult for us to accommodate for the tech support for? I, I understand about the time, like an extra time for. Public common and wait wait for the phone call to come in, but other than that, is that uh, a difficult technical thing? 
for run the staff to accommodate. Haven't run tech in meetings um, at City Hall, but with the systems we have, actually for WebEx here in the office, that might be difficult. Um, if it was at our building, I'm not sure about 49 South and Ness if those have those like Teams camera set up um, instead of just like a general webcam. Um, but Kyle, you might know better. That you for sure know better than me. I'm roomed in City Hall. Yeah. So, Member Chang, I um, I don't think that's totally clear yet. Um, just how easy or difficult it will be to um, incorporate WebEx into meetings, either as a practice or in response to a request for reasonable accommodation based on the disability. Uh, it's likely going to depend on the room of the meeting. Um, you know, the, the UFC meeting rooms in City Hall, um, those are all outfitted to support um, WebEx for remote public comment and remote viewing. Um, and as Hizu said, it's, it's purely at the council dis discretion if we want to incorporate WebEx into meetings going forward. Um, if the council does not incorporate WebEx, then anyone participating during public comment would have to be in the meeting room. Um, you know, there's there would simply be an audio recording of the meeting, so there would no longer be a visual component to that. Um, how difficult it would be to respond to a request for accommodation and include WebEx in the meeting. Again, that really depends on the room that the meeting is scheduled to convene in, um, whether that room is set up with a camera for that purpose, um, and whether or not the meeting has already been noticed to the public. So it, it's not totally clear. It's it's something that we're going to be continuing to um, kind of focus on over the next month as we kind of get closer to March 1st. Um, I will just add that um, the Department of Technology is focused on supporting both chartered and non-chartered commissions in the city that do want to incorporate public comment via WebEx going forward. So if, if that's something that the council does want to do, um, either as a practice or if it's something that we have to do in response to a request for accommodation, um, you know, we, we are going to have the support to help make that happen um, in future meetings. Right, seeing no further discussion, we can move to public comment. Okay, members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it's your turn to speak.
And seeing no callers in the queue, public comment on this item is closed. Uh, that's there's no no action. We can move to the next item. Okay, the next item is item eight: staff report on recent work performed by the Urban Forestry Program on behalf of the Urban Forestry Council. The speaker is Jesus Lozano, Urban Forestry Council Coordinator. The explanatory document is the list of open council seats. This item is for discussion. All right, y'all. Um, <laughs> there's a number of things here, uh, and and actually. Um, I'm hoping it's uh, more discussion than me just um, listing off what I've been up to. Uh, I would like a little bit of input or like guidance to, to the things that I've been working on. Um, and I said the important one that required uh, a explanatory document. I included that in the meeting packet as a way to make it easier for all of you to share the um, applications and like what is actually in our um, environment code as to who is eligible for the council seats. Um, I don't believe that we've had very many applicants. It sounds like right now it's just um, a, a, a person from FOSS that submitted an application. And um, Mike, you might know, I, I actually have not heard back from Jason as to whether or not he submitted an application. Uh, but yeah, we're we're short on applicants. We still have the three open seats, uh, and I, I'm I'm been working at doing a good amount of outreach uh, with folks in the southeast, folks in the mission, um, and and anybody else that I think would be a good, um, like eligible uh, fit on the council. Uh, but seeing that y'all have uh, much more expansive networks than I. I'd appreciate some uh, some help with this outreach, getting folks to to apply. I I think it'd be better to have too many applicants than than just the the two that we might have at this time. You uh, sorry, do you um, are you looking for also community members? Um, so right now we the seats that are open um, are two nonprofit seats, and that's a pretty vague um uh wording in in the code yeah. they're just members of a nonprofit is what it says uh okay. so and it's just environmental nonprofit it doesn't have to be specifically trees um and it, like you know i think we've all been hoping to have a a representative from fuff return to the council uh but if that does not work out um, other environmental nonprofits. So it, it'd be um, essentially someone that would be taking the seat that Ildico Poloni held and the, uh, the 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 seat that has been historically taken by a member of of FUF. And sorry, the, um, the fact that the, because some nonprofits do business with the city is a, is not a conflict, right? It's okay because FUF does business with the city, gets funded. Yeah, it doesn't matter, no, right? Okay. No, that's not a conflict. The other open seat is a member of the tree care industry. Um, I think previously we may have been interpreting that as a certified arborist, but I don't think that's actually a requirement either. So sorry, because I think you might have sent us already the job description, the the, seat, the role description, but maybe yeah. if you send it to us, we can circle. I can circulate it. 
They're attached in the documents that um, that Kyle sent out with a reminder for the meeting. Um, it's like a little sheet that I think is easily easily forwardable to anybody you have in mind, or just like to copy paste and drop in an email. And you have a deadline, right? I'm sure in that paper. There's a deadline for application. I don't believe it's the hardest deadline. Uh, we just like to be able to nominate um, and have everyone, um, like including those of you that need to um, to to reapply or um, go through the Board of Supervisors again, all do it at the same time. So we're not um, having like extra work for everybody on, on our side. Uh, you. Kyle, do you have more info on what our deadlines might look like? Yeah, so Jesus, as you said earlier, um, we don't really have a hard deadline. Um, you know, we have um, a number of council members whose seats have already expired, um, whose terms have already expired or will expire in the coming months. So I, I think ideally we would really like to be able to go to the Board of Supervisors in March or April um, and kind of and do everything at once. Have every every council member who wants to be reappointed reappointed to the council, and have new members considered and appointed. Um, so we're looking at potentially March or April for that. Um, sorry, Thank I want to note um, that it looks like Mike Sullivan had dropped out, but he was in the attendee list for a little bit. It looks like he's back now, though. Mike, do you have any notes on that? And if you can hear. No. Okay, uh, I can move forward to the next. Uh, part of my report. Thank y'all. Um, if you have any questions or if you'd like me to um, do outreach uh, to, for anybody, you just want to send me a list of names and contacts, I'm happy to do that as well. I don't I don't have any problem with that. Uh, just, I mean, I'm going to have to get to know these folks anyway, so it works out that I, that I um, start doing the outreach uh, also. Uh, my next item I wanted to check in on, I guess, like an order of importance, is uh, the storm that we just went through. Um, all of you should have received a list of questions from me, um, uh, just like some preliminary information that I think it'd be important for this council to have, uh, as well as uh, discuss. Um, it sounds like right now uh, most of of y'all are still. Uh, quite busy dealing with the repercussions of the storm that we had, um, and we'll continue to be dealing with that for maybe another couple of weeks, if not longer. Um, and I, it's by no means in like a super expansive list of questions, uh, just like some some simple ones, um, like what species were most effective, where were they most affected, uh, what were the extent of the failures that we had, if it was like a full tree failure or just some branch failures. Um, it seems right now that the only folks that have responded are luckily ones that 
have not um, had an incredible amount of tree failures. Uh, and in that, for, for that, I'd like to um, hopefully include that in our discussion on future species selections and include it as a, as a section in this uh, next round of the annual urban forest report, or if you think it's appropriate, maybe um, a report on its own, um, which I think uh, would um, also um, maybe help our case with the um, the the letter that we're we're submitting and the ask and recommendations of the of the annual report from this that that we just completed. Uh, and and here my uh, my question for y'all if you think there's like a specific um, area um, which like I should ask a different questions or more detailed questions um, I think in the email that I sent out it was just specifically um, what damage happened in the last couple of weeks but I think it'd be important to include like ongoing um, like damages like that are still being accounted for now or like also costs that it's it's causing um i think um damon you uh, mentioned to me before that you like you're still um still working on some uh fema applications uh, so i'm wondering what this group thinks about you know doing more digging into the results of this of the storm that we just had. Hey, I'll chime in. Uh, so it was basically three solid weeks of storms and response to that, and we expect another three weeks of follow-up. So uh, we're, we're in the middle of that. It's hard to quantify. Uh, in the, the midst of the storm, our team was not filling out service orders and marking them in progress and in incomplete status. And the normal things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis had to be suspended just to focus on the work, but they're now catching up on that. We're getting some of the info back. Uh, our inspectors are also parsing out if they were street tree failures or property or private property trees that failed into the right-of-way that we attended to. Uh, I think similar to, to Damon, we'll, we'll have a lot of information that we need to submit for FEMA reimbursement because it was uh, declared an emergency and um, backdated to the start of the storm. So we'll have all that information with the labor and materials and uh, contracts, uh, contractor expenses associated with that. And I think that's that's going to be a, a really useful number to talk about. Uh, but then I. I do think that when it comes to tree failures, I, I would caution that we we take a whole the whole picture um, before we act on that. I say that because if if we were to just look at uh, what trees withstood the storm the best, we would be planting only palms, and I don't know that that's the right takeaway. Uh, or only small trees. I don't know that that's the right takeaway because. It, storms like that disproportionately affect large mature trees and it, we, we definitely want to uh, continue planting those but uh, I I would just before we even talk about what species fail just caution um, our analysis of that 
yield to Igor. Yeah, I've, you know, it's true. Palms do really well in storms. Um, yeah, so Jesus and, and everybody, really, I'm happy to, to kind of talk to you all more about how we structured the discussion exactly for the reasons Nick mentioned. Um, you know, it, even aside from what fails, what doesn't fail, you have this issue of what gets reported, what doesn't get reported. So there's like these multiple layers of um, difficulty with actually working out these relative failure rates. So we have a database of failures um, that, of course, you all are invited to contribute to. And those of you who are agency people, I'm always happy to give a training for your agency staff on how to contribute to the Western Tree Failure Database, uh, which we've had running since 1987. But one of the things we've specifically resisted doing was that kind of, um, you know, which species fail, which ones don't, simply because there is a reporting layer here. In other words, people will report species they like or species they don't like. People will report spectacular failures and not those that are not and so on. So what is, I think, what has been much more productive was to report the ways in which trees fail. And then you can begin to tease out some, some patterns. Um, and that's, I think, less prone to these reporting errors, essentially. And also more useful in exactly the way Nick described, which is we want to have large trees, we want to have mature trees um, for all the many reasons. What do we need to do to make them less likely to fail? That's basically it. Um, so I'm happy to have that discussion, you know, as we prepare to bring that to, to a, to a um, full council or planning and funding. I'm, I'm happy to have that discussion with, with anybody. And again, if you're an agency person and want to talk about reporting failures, I would be happy to give you a 30-minute Zoom training on how to access the database and how to input records into it. Because again, we, we have uh, 6,800 records and we rely on cooperators to input data into the database. So yeah, thank you all. Igor, um, I'd definitely like to receive that training myself. I obviously wouldn't be inputting data, but I think it'd be useful for me to also be able to pass uh, any training down or just information on the on the site. I wasn't aware of the database uh, previous to your mention of it now, so I think it'd be really cool. Um, so with with this in mind, I think this is why I asked the question. I know that this is going to have to be a really nuanced discussion um, because you know we can't just like write off the like the super tall species. Like I know they're most affected by this because they're they're above. <laughs> like real high up, so there's more, uh, more going on. But um, yeah, is, is there like a more appropriate set of questions that I should be asking of people? Now, I'll definitely wait another couple of weeks before doing any follow up. Um, I think um, another interesting um, topic that came up at, right after I sent out that email, um, I think. I, I tapped on a few folks, uh, but not an expansive list of people at all, um, which I'll still be working on that just to see what um, correspondence looked like for people dealing with the phone lines or uh, like, like 
like nonprofits that deal with trees. So I, I, I um, contacted my folks in the community engagement team at Friends of the Urban Forest and a few other places just to see if this impacted um, the perspective of on-street trees. Um, I know we already deal with um, an interesting mix of, of perspectives as, as it is. Art Lou, please. Um, I, I just wanted to understand if uh, Igor, if, if the outside city land is something that we would want to consider putting in the database. Um, also, just observation-wise, we, we've observed here in the Presidio in particular, um, a lot of failures of, of eucalyptus that we hadn't seen in the past that were attributing to our malaria root rot that it seems to be spreading. Are these kinds of things the type of uh, information that we would attempt to track in the database like that? Yep, absolutely. Um, as long as it's some kind of cultivated situation. In fact, the way the database set up, this was set up many years ago now by the uh, US Forest Service as the International Tree Failure Database. The way the form is set up, the data capture form, you can enter data for just about any kind of tree. So it can be in middle of a forest, but most of the, and there is a line that says, what is this? Is it a forest? Is it cultivated? Is it park? You know. um, yeah, and you would put all that in. So I'm happy to give that training and we'll get Larry Costello and Catherine Jones, who are the um, original progenitors of this database to, to attend as well. Um, we're always looking for additional collaborators and we're always looking for additional data um, and you can enter data online it's just it's helpful if you have about it's about 30 minute overview of what this is and kind of how to think about some of the data fields that were that are on there um, but it's yeah it's a, it's a very comprehensive form um, so it's kind of like well do the best you can <laughs> but certainly if you have the information if you have things like we see our malaria yes we want that in there because with enough records, then we can say, okay, you know, failure pattern in eucalyptus is such and such. And by the way, there is evidence of our malaria in whatever percent of the records. Could so, you yeah, repeat the name of the Forest Service database that it's called again? The actual database is called the Western Tree Failure Database. The original project was called the International Tree Failure Database. And if you look for that, you will find all kinds of stuff, but unfortunately won't find the database because the Forest Service, I think in about 2017 or so, um, discontinued access to it um, for their reasons. We have the data. So we have just about all of the data that was in there because most of the data was from the West anyway. So we have most of the data um, and we've continued to do work and at some point in the future maybe forest service will come back um and then we'll figure out a way to feed the data into whatever they set up but i think that's you know we've been trying that for a while and it's it's not been it's not that the international part has not come back yet i'm hopeful that it will at some point just out of curiosity in the city how successful do you guys think we have been in tracking street tree failures? We have really good data on street tree failures. 
So it's just maybe briefly just tell us how that happens. What, how, how does it get recorded and who by whom? Yes. Uh, not that it's, it's perfect. Not that our inspectors and arborists, uh, like have gaps in communication, but, uh, when we have, uh, a, a street tree failure, we get a lot of reports, uh, through 311 or our team would, would see it. We send somebody out, uh, with caution tape and safety cones within 10, 15 minutes because they're in the area, the the person out there, and then we notify our arborists who either call in a crew or if they're already out, they get dispatched to go over there. Uh, if we're falling behind, the fire department will sometimes go out there um, because they love the opportunity to use a, a chainsaw. I, I get it. I, I don't blame them. And then uh, uh, there's that initial triage of making it safe at, by one definition to like get it out of the street or off of a car or a clear sidewalk or driveway or something. And then there's often a, a second visit uh, the next day during business hours, or if we're in the middle of the storm, it could be two weeks uh, to come back and haul away all the debris, cut a low stump. And then uh, by then our inspectors are involved and they're noting that in the database and creating a work order for uh, sidewalk repair, stump grinding, uh, things like that. So there, there's a bunch of indications that we can see in our database to, to note when that's happening. And then uh, there are a handful of cases where a, a private tree crushes a car, um, blocks the street, and we'll, we'll be able to say, we, we cleared the street, we took it off the car, but then the rest of this tree is your responsibility. Uh, and also we want to document that. So the, the owner of the car who, who may attempt to file a claim with the city is redirected to deal with that property owner's insurance. Uh, so it, uh, hopefully that gives a sense of the various ways that we try to track that. For and, and that's a city database, Nicholas? It, it, and it, does it make its way over to the Western Tree Failure database too? <laughs> we're, we're not good at we. I think our our core issue is that our inspectors are like, like at, at their absolute limit for being able to keep up with things, much less do the um, the proactive things that we want them to be doing. So just while we were having this discussion, I made a note for the inspectors that this could be a perfect internship opportunity. We're, we're always talking about like what would be a good project. And I think uh, an intern with a master's degree, which is what we try to get, uh, would be very well qualified to um, to do a whole project um, sometimes the master's degree students can do a, a, a year long project rather than just a quick summer stint. So we like that. Hey Nick, I, I'd be curious as to your sense of what trees, um, were kind of more susceptible than others to fail, even if it's anecdotal, either, you know, entire tree failure from the roots or, or just branch failure. Any, any sense of that? Yeah, I think the worst offenders were, uh, ficus, Chinese elms and uh, a couple of spectacular eucalyptus, uh, Nicolii. Um, I, I, 
Igor's face. I'm not sure. I'll I'll fact check myself on that. But uh, we had a, f a few um, a few of those. I think exactly like Igor cautioned. I'm filtering for the biggest, most spectacular ones that I remember took up the most yeah. time. And there were a lot of like Indian hawthorns that fell over that uh, I'm, I'm that don't come to mind. So I need to like, <laughs> give a fuller answer on that. Great, thank you. That's why we have a note on our on our planting list that they require lifetime staking. Yeah. <laughs> and when they fall over, they get very I'm top like, heavy. I'm so glad we have that note on there. Okay. So yeah. um, when we talk about tree failure, we only regarding total tree failure, right? I think Jesus, you uh, sent out the uh, questionnaire and. Um, so like big branch failures and that required to remove the tree because now it's no longer stable. And I think um, I, uh, Igor's, um, how, how tree fail is uh, uh, a good indication um, of, 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 I'm not sure species, like regarding how we train the tree. I mean, uh, same species the tree could be very stable if you're not, if, if, it, yeah, it was, it was pruned properly when they were young, and split. Uh, you know, you have a co-dominant branching uh, uh, header. Uh, he um, so, I, I, yeah, I, I cautious about saying specific species. It's like uh, it make me nervous um, because how how one care for the tree is. Uh, that's a big uh, factor of how tree were able to fail, uh, you know, condition of where it's grown and and all that's, that that that's important. Um, yeah, just a comment. Yeah. Um, and I do, Igor. I would love to. If, if you have a consensus of training thing, I would love to be part of of, of how we can collect data from contribute data for our agencies. Because when when we'll, uh, I'm with the port and we do not have a lot of tree fell, but we have a lot of broken branches and 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 so I'm not sure. Yeah. Yep, that counts. There is a category of branch failure. So okay, great. I'll set something up. I'll send some set some dates and we'll do it. Great, terrific. Thank you. Um, I'd like to add something just quick. Um, you know, like this is like we this is a special storm, you know, that was, a, you know, almost four weeks of rain, you know, and so it's just not in normal conditions. So we have to be careful, you know, big storm, small storm, you know, regular, you know, rain two or three days and, you know, it's a normal. So those are normal conditions. This is not, those are abnormal conditions. That storm was just not, you know, we haven't seen that in years and years and years and years, you know. Um, so we have to be careful, you know, uh, just kind of like, yeah, we have storm damage and, but this is like, it's abnormal conditions. So, so we have to be careful yeah. for the data because otherwise it's manipulated in weird ways. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just um, to kind of wrap this up, and I think we're getting really in, in the weeds here now as far as the discussion is going to go. Uh, but um, I did leave those the requests a little bit open ended. Uh, I didn't say specifically 
like a total failure to uh, extent of failures. Um, and I left them open-ended on purpose, like considering that some organizations weren't gonna have the capacity to report like explicit numbers or species, which I, I, I understand, uh, but yeah, okay. Uh, so for now, any follow-ups that I'll do, I'll try to steer a little bit more away from specific species um, and include a more explicit um, date time, um, I guess dating back to um, the Sunday when the rain started um, and more ask about like the funding situation of everything. Um, including those AFEMA rebates um, and its impact on staff work. Um, as I think that'll be an important thing to um, separate from the normal uh, reporting that happens in the annual report. Uh, but, okay. Um, can, can I just interject it? So did, would it make sense to kind of wait for this training? Um, if, if there is a, if that information is captured easily, it would it would be nice to do it you know, so we all have a systematic uh, place that we know it's going into the right database. Yeah, um, I think as Nick said, there's still about three weeks for folks to catch up on everything. So I think that we, we have, we would have time at least between here and the next um, full council meeting. Um, if not more, we can wait more. Just wanna make sure it was on people's minds um, since I think it will be a big topic of discussion going forward. Um, and just to keep us moving, I think we're <laughs> we have only about half an hour of Mike's time left. Um, and this kind of segues into some work I've been doing on landmark um, trees. Uh, I guess one of my questions for y'all is is if it seems appropriate that we check specifically on landmark trees how they fared uh, through this storm. Uh, but that wasn't initially the topic that I was going to cover here. That is, I have that question for you all now. Uh, but um, as more of the report side of it, um, we identified that there wasn't um, really a process anywhere to go from um, the uh, landmark trees um, becoming like a, official and then being recorded onto a property. Uh, so I've been bugging a lot of folks over at BUFF and at uh, planning. So Maria and Nick, you might have been getting a lot of questions coming from my direction from a variety of staff. I was barking up a lot of trees because it didn't seem like anybody had done this since like maybe 2014. Um, and it, it's it's coming to a close now. Uh, That's just a, an update and I think it might be worth um, amending our um, landmark tree process um, as it, it stands in um, the documents that are on um, our council website are just like part of our um, new member packet and such. So that that might be coming down the line um, just to let y'all y'all know or if um, y'all have any suggestions. Um, in that regard, out that there is a physical landmark tree book. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, cool. I want to take a look at that. It exists. Um, <laughs> the other um, thing I had here um, is we don't have a lot of landmark tree activity going on. 
um, the with the help of our uh, fellow that we had recently, I think uh, she attended a couple of meetings, Lucia. Uh, one of the last tasks that she completed was uh, compiling a list of of um, street trees that um, she thought might be good candidates. Uh, started from uh, Mike's book and website um, and just saw like what trees met the stature um, and canopy size requirements just based on a, a survey from the Street View on Google. Uh, and then while she was doing that, um, she also found another number of other species or other examples of trees that might work. Um, and then I got to thinking about what other um, tree trees might be good candidates, like, for example, like maybe uh, Friends of the Urban Forest, first street tree planting, those we know where those trees are. Um, and I think they're now at the size where they would qualify as for landmark status, um, as well as a number of other um, trees. I know that the um, landmarking of trees should be, I think it was in the hopes of protecting trees on private um, land. Um, and I think most of the submissions and like landmark trees are have actually been in public right of way. So I would appreciate any thoughts um, uh, on like doing more outreach to folks that would have uh, potential landmark trees on private land. And that doesn't have to happen here, um, but I uh, just wanted to put that out there. Um, and like, if you have any thoughts on that, please send them my way. Uh, but that's, that's the wrap up there, um, except for if you have a, uh, an opinion to give me right now as to um, how we might survey the existing landmark trees as, um, for how they fared through the storm. Yeah, I'll, I'll just chime in, Jesus, um, and thanks for mentioning the, the website. I, I have a link off the SF Trees website for what I totally um, subjectively called San Francisco's top 10 landmark trees, just um, totally subjective. and. I, I, uh, I can't help myself, so I keep adding to it. So it's now actually, it says top 10, but it's up to the top 13 now. I added a, an amazing spotted gum uh, on 19th Street in the Mission. Yeah, we so, can notice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think those are some, some, some ideas for, for addition. I, I, I do sometimes worry about approaching the property owner about um, landmarking a tree, kind of worrying that they'll then quickly try to, you know, get it removed, lest it become a permanent thing on their property. But um, I think there's some great trees on that that site too that could be landmark trees. Okay. Yeah. Then now I'll I'll reach out to you regarding uh, some of those. I think it's it's like just considering where um, it looks like at new applications have been. I think it's important that we start being proactive about the outreach. Um, I get more right and get and get some truly landmark trees into the system rather than backyard trees that a neighbor is trying to protect from another neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, again, any any notes on surveying existing landmark trees for failures during the this the storm? Is it too soon for that, or um, does that seem like not necessary at this time? 
I almost think that we would know if if landmark trees had fallen with you know with, with everybody on this Zoom or this WebEx, we probably would have would know if any of the, them had failed, but um, wouldn't hurt to go check. Okay. Um, I might then, um, the, at least the ones in the public right of way, Nick, um, I might um, reach out to the specific inspectors for those districts to see if they, they might know whether any, since I have the addresses and the districts, I Maybe they they have information for me on that, but the private property trees I think might be a little bit more work. Um, and I, I'll check in on this again later on. Um, but lastly, I wanted to um, note that um, we have been collaborating with John Sway over at at uh, Buff on doing some um, research on uh, Quercus agrifolia. Um, to just to analyze uh, their health um, is a continuation of the project that I think was presented here at Council before, uh, a little bit more uh, narrowed down in scope um, so far, and like with more cleaned up data. Um, so far, it seems with the exception, like I think it, um, the Quercus is on uh, Sunset Boulevard might be skewing um, some of those results, but citywide and all of the settings that they're in, I think the big takeaway being that there are at least 70% um, of the examples are in good health. Um, so uh, more on that coming, uh, but just wanted to give you all a heads up because that's been something that's, that we've been working on for, for a little bit. Um, and hopefully uh, with this more uh, cleaned up version, um, of the analysis, uh, it should be possible to just drop in uh, data points for other species to do to run the same analysis um, and, um, pretty easily on on a number of other species of interest. And that um, that's my that's my staff report. Unless you have any other comments or questions. All right. Seeing none, we can move to public comment. Okay, members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it's your turn to speak. And seeing no calls in the queue, public comment on this item is closed. Can we move to the next item? The next item is item nine, Urban Forestry Council member announcements. This item is for discussion. I'll just mention that we did have a busy storm response. Uh, it, the, uh, I won't belabor that. I I wanted to share as an announcement though that we have fully fenced the Fifth Street uh, Street Tree Nursery, and the current status is finalizing the design of the the office and bathroom, uh, and classroom space that's being constructed. 
uh, so we can place the order for that. And then the, the company building that needs a couple of months and then it'll uh, be located on the site. So I'm excited about the progress. Uh, March 11th, we have our Arbor Day event coming up. So we are reaching out to potential partners to uh, be there for the the event. Um, we could have, or we plan to have bucket truck rides like we did pre-pandemic. Those are very popular. Uh, the, the the location that we plan to have it at right now is the Bessie Carmichael School on uh, Sherman Street off of Harrison. There's a Bessie Carmichael on Harrison, but it, uh, I think that's, um, it's unlikely to be hosted there. But our goal is to plant 117 uh, street trees there. We started cutting tree basins today and plant plant a, a variety of species uh, in, in SOMA as part of our um, equity planting prioritization. So it's low canopy area that we're focusing on. So feel free to join. Uh, we also have our neighborhood beautification day that's happening once a month and this month it's happening tomorrow uh, at Balboa High School. We'll, we'll be planting uh, at least 10 trees at each one of those monthly events, which are held in the districts around the city. So some opportunities to get involved if you're interested. Thank you. I have a question, Nixon. Um, yes. what are the, do you know uh, what the hours of um, operations for, open to the public, the nurseries gonna have or? Not yet. No idea yet. We, next week we're we're going to be on site with our uh, landscape staff who will be um, situated on site. There are only two people, uh, staff wise, but we'll have a, a grant partner doing workforce development. So we're we don't have the the hours at all. I would guess, considering the staff, they probably will want to start at like six a.m. Uh, and work an eight hour day and then the workforce development partner likely a couple hours after that staying later so that we'll have um, a presence there for as long as possible for for a lot of reasons like theft deterrence and just mm -hmm. maintaining that activity the workforce development you mean uh, a nonprofit or CD stuff we're doing an RFP for a, a workforce development nonprofit partner who would uh, be providing pathways for employment while working on the site so that the the um, participants, clientele in that program are learning job skills and supporting our um, nursery specialist who who's going to be doing the propagating. Great, that sounds great. Uh, are you going to share this info with us via email maybe or? How is it? Well, just now, I mean, I took some notes, but if these events would be good to share. Oh, yeah. For us, so we can share with our colleagues or nonprofits or stuff like that, community groups. Sure. I'll, there's a link to a page that gets updated for each event. So I'll send that to Jesus to. That would be great. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Congratulations. That's oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Congratulations, Nick. As uh, Nicholas says, that's uh, can't, can't wait to see it uh, when you open. Um, regarding your tree uh, planting, did did I hear that? It's like it's 
with different district, right? Uh, and you will plant like tomorrow is the planting. Um, is it um, where where are the tree planting? Uh, is it typical to street trees on a tree well? Is it requested by owner and is DPW? Uh, are we taking care? Are you taking care of the tree? Watering and pruning, like not the FUFS model. It's not like FUFS model. FUFS will uh, requested by the, the the homeowner who requests a tree, and FUFS come out planting and a homeowner watering it. And I think FUFS care for the next three years the, uh, the basic pruning or the hardware. Uh, and it's such a different model. I mean, it sounds like, uh, uh, yeah. How how's that work for for these trees that you planting? Uh, sure. I I don't want to go out of turn and talk about the the fuff model. I think we could have that. That would be actually a great discussion item because there's a lot happening there. But for our event, uh, each each month we plant ten trees it, as a minimum in each district or in in a district. And then by the end of the year, we've covered all the districts and we use that as an opportunity for um, sites that are like, we've got to plant these trees, uh, but what, when's a good time? I know we'll do it during the neighborhood beautification day event. So tomorrow, for, for example, there are these sites that we tried to plant during a past Arbor Day and um, for whatever reason, it, it didn't. Uh, didn't happen on that day and the, the sites had been cut and were vacant and we are finally going back and planting them so our staff will will plant with volunteers and then uh we'll water them and when i say we it could be us watering or uh our grant partner doing the watering um it it depends on the area because if if it's within our grant um envelope it makes more sense to add it to their grant if it's in a far-flung part of the city then then our watering trucks um do the watering and and, and this the location the tree i um I, uh, street trees uh, yeah. street tree, uh, but a street tree in front of a residence and it's the resident have to request uh apply for you to put a tree in or how do you select the selection the locations and and it's just up to the like the homeowner say oh I don't want a tree in front of my house or I do want a tree. How do you select those locations? This for this event we we um, took the the input of the district supervisor uh, supervisor Safai who had said hey when are you guys going to plant these they've been vacant sites and we we said uh, we agree we want to plant those we'll do that when we're in your district for this event. So that's how that happened. But the other locations could have been like neighbors requesting it or uh, sometimes we've done a removal project where we removed a bunch of trees in the district and we wanna plant those replacement trees and we do that as part of the event. So it, it can vary by district for sure. But I would say Supervisor Safi is very involved with tree planting and uh, it's a good opportunity for us to find out what the local need is and meet that during this event. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, I like, but 
again, I mean, I think we, I, I'm just thinking like we need to plant so many trees and we don't, can't force, uh, not say, hey, it's a street tree, it's a sidewalk. Nicholas going to come in and say, I want to plant this block and plant it. We don't have yeah. a restriction. The city don't have to restriction for have to put it in. If the homeowner say, uh, we don't want to treat that. Oh, we, we do have jurisdiction and, and we, we can, and we will sometimes over, over somebody's objections. Um, we point to where it's in the code that it has to be planted there. Um, but it's not always an easy conversation, but. Uh, we we do have that that jurisdiction. It's much harder to ask a nonprofit to have that difficult conversation. It's easier when it's the city doing it, but we'll have to cross that bridge at some point when we've planted all the sites that people have asked for. Just to um, okay, thanks. Not have this go a lot longer again. Thank you, Nick, for the announcement um, and. Uh, for Ty, I think um, we've been um, there's been a lot of restructuring at FUF as far as like who has what position right now. There's new community engagement staff, um, and a lot of the planting team staff has like switched positions, so it uh, has quite significantly slowed down the participation in these meetings. But we do have um, upcoming participation from Mike Yerrick, their programs director, and hopefully from their new engagement program um, uh, manager. Uh, so you'll be hearing from them as part of a discussion on how, uh, as part of the discussion from our Oxon letter and uh, the annual report on how we might best proceed in growing our tree planting operation collaboratively across the city. Um, so yeah, no uh, bigger updates on that, but we will be hearing from uh, their teams and, and how they, they run their program. As well as other um, key community folks. Uh, yeah, any any other announcements from folks? You know, it's been a busy time just with the storm, so there might not be a ton of new items, but wanted to make sure that the floor was open. No. <laughs> Public comment. With the chair's permission, we can open it up to public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold on the queue, please continue to wait until it's your turn to speak. And seeing no calls in the queue, public comment on this item is closed. Okay. Can we move to the next item? The next item is item 10, new business future agenda items. This item is for discussion. Um, I've got a couple of things, uh, but if my folks have. Um, Agenda items that they'd like to propose. I'd happy to wait. Nope. Okay. 
Um, so, um, as I mentioned of our work with the um, um, Quercus agrifolia study that we've been working on, um, that um, data is almost complete. That analysis is getting pretty close to ready to uh, share. Um, so, um, uh, I think first um, it should go through planning and funding just to do like a quick run of that presentation is rather short, but just to make sure that if there are any other questions, well, we still have um, someone working on the data set um, that if there's any like burning questions, it could be added to the presentation or um, discussed in a different way during a full council presentation. Um, so um, if that sounds all right with y'all, um, as an item, hopefully in the um, both the March planning and funding and the, the March full council. I think um, it sounds like they'll be ready for, for that. Um, that's my first one. Does sound good from everybody? Um, the other item that I had was, I think previously we um, put the update to the street tree list on the back burner. Uh, but as I've been going through a lot of our strategic documents, it, we do have it on our strategic uh, plan to update that annually. Uh, I think considering a lot of what has been going on recently, um, we should get that back on the agenda for the next few months um, so we can complete that uh, hopefully before the end of the fiscal year um, and uh, be able to include that in the annual report um, for further for this this go around um and that one is you know part of our strategic plan so i think that that's just like a de facto thing that i should get added on there but just so you know that that's coming um i am thinking i'm gonna wait for some of the data to come back on what we were talking about earlier as far as the storm uh, but um we'll get that that moving what sorry <laughs> you gotta see your face it's a longer conversation and let's let's have it. But this is exactly the kind of concerns that I think you heard voiced by a couple of different people that looking at storm data is going to yeah. make for for. Yeah, this is not a minor point, though. And I think yeah. Nick made it very, very clearly and very forcefully. If you want the trees that never fail in storms, those are palms. Yeah. So yeah. We, we need to be, you know, we, we do need to be thoughtful about this. And I don't want to prolong this meeting, but, you know, yeah. Sorry for my phrasing. Um, I, I, well, I, I'm, I'm just pointing out that updating the street tree list is is not a trivial matter. And yeah, when we all decided to, you know, let the current one kind of ride to to see the effects, I think that was a thoughtful decision. Anyway, longer conversation. Happy to have it. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Uh, okay. Um, no, I, and I think that's what I was, I was trying to say. Sorry, I, I definitely worded that not uh, the best way, but um, like understanding that the discussion needs to be very uh, delicate and nuanced. I wanted to wait before getting um, the street tree list update on the agenda, but just knowing that that's something that that is still kind of on the list of things that our council is um, is agreed to do. Um, but yeah, thank you, Igor, for for catching that. I don't I don't want to make it seem like we're going to base any decision making specifically on on that. Um, 
my um I lost track of my final item here. Um, I really think that's that's all. Oh, um, so we have this um, uh, public comment submitted um, for uh, proposed. Um, um, yeah, so the, the document that was the proposed resolution. Um, I don't know if folks have had a chance to read that. Has everyone had a chance to read that? I think it might be appropriate if you haven't for it to be um, read here. It's pretty short um, and we can decide um, when to agendize that or what urgency you want to place on that. I don't think we should read it out okay. loud, but uh, I'd be interested in Andrew as, as chairs Position on agendizing it's certainly uh, worth discussing. I I've personally would like to hear from the the signers and the the author sort of explain the context and uh, share the the relevance of this and uh, perhaps Andrew would be interested in inviting them or or not. I don't. I I, I think that it, it would be worth discussing them. Yeah. Um, so then does this seem like, uh, like a preliminary meeting should be uh, like covered in planning and funding then before bringing it back to full council? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'll reach out to Josh who submitted that and has already agreed to, to come uh, talk to us also on the subject of, uh, moving forward with a more, uh, collaborative planting practices. Um, so, uh, I'm sure he'll be happy to, to discuss. Um, um, okay, then that's all I have as far as new items. Just wanted to make sure it got mentioned here as it seems like there's quite a few stakeholders um, invested in, in the contents of the document, whether it be in support or, or against. Are there any other new business items? Seeing none, can move to public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. Those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. And see no calls in the queue. Public comment on this item is closed. With the chair's permission, we can proceed to the final item. Yes, thank you. Okay. Next item is item 11, adjournment. The meeting is adjourned. The time is 10.27 a.m. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thank Good discussion today. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Have Thank a good you. weekend, everyone. You too. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Enjoy the sun.